If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, orderers. Just wanted to let you all in on a fairly well-guarded secret. There are actually other podcasts out there that try to order the disorder. Not many, but some. And when I find them, I'll try to share them with you. So today, I am gonna to present to you what I hope will be a pleasant introduction to a new pod for you all. It's a show that I guested on late last year, and one that I think you'll want to add to your podcast listening week, particularly if you're British. It's from the team behind The New European, a great newspaper slash magazine in the UK, born out of Brexit, but something that's become like a crusading force for a new common sense center-left anti-neopopulist politics in Britain. And they discuss a lot of internal British domestic political issues in terms, and also how international and continental European issues are seen from within Britain. This podcast is produced by the New European team, and it's called The Two Mats. They are Matt Kelly, who founded The New European, and Matt Dancona, one of their star columnists and a former editor of The Spectator. They both champion the center ground, a bit of the progressive left and a bit of the Remainer Tory anti-Brexit right. Well, anyway, I was really inspired by their recent episode on how Germany is dealing with its neo-populism problem. This is an issue that we haven't gotten to cover on the Disorder Pod at all. In fact, I realize we've been quite light in our treatment of continental European neo-populism. Not much opportunity to talk about the Svenska Demokraten, which I worry about quite frequently, and I think we should have something covering them. And as many of you may know, Germany has not been immune from this kind of anti-migrant, anti-establishment sentiments. We've seen them all the way back to the Bonn government, and we see them particularly today in East Germany. But because Germany has a unique history, I would argue it has more robust constitutional safeguards than other democracies. My analogy is that because Germany experienced the worst and most hateful and dangerous forms of populism known to man during the 1930s and 40s, this helped the populace and the constitution generate these unique anti-neopopulist antibodies. And because Germany has those antibodies, we can study them and we can think what is there in the uniquely German antibodies which we in America and Britain should learn from or imitate. 
So with that framing, we're now going to present to you an excerpt from The Two Mats's January 25th show entitled Germany Fighting Fascism, where we join Matt and Matt talking about the massive street protests against the AFD. And if you like what you hear, please follow The Two Mats today. There is, of course, a link to their program in our show notes. So that um, is is what, a million people, something like one point four million people across Germany in huge numbers of people there in in Berlin, and I think that was from the top of the Bundestag overlooking. Yeah. I mean, filling the Tiergarten and near the the Brandenburg Gate, and you know, very evocative scenes of hundreds of thousands of people protesting about the rise of a far right party alternative for Deutschland, the yes. AfD. And we are joined. I'm delighted to say from Bonn by. New European columnist, Tanit Koch. Tanit, hello. Hi, Tanit. Hi, how are you? You're going to explain to us what's going on, aren't you? I'll, I'll German-splain, yes. Tanit is our German-splaining columnist every week in the New European, and she's now going to German-splain a rather serious turn of events in Germany and uh, and the German people's reaction to it. What's what going is, on? What is going Helps on? Helps out, Tanit. Well, um, the trigger, which is quite interesting because everybody's talking about the crisis of journalism, etc., the trigger was a, a great investigative report by um, uh, a team of fact checkers and investigative um, journalists called Corrective, and they basically infiltrated a, a meeting, uh, a sort of weird alt-right identitarian offsite, uh, which took place in November um, near near Berlin in Potsdam, where um, members of the AfD, identitarians, I don't know, some sort of fascist dentist, and um, even fringe nationalist members of the CDU um, met and discussed how to re-migrate, that the term re-migration sort of seems to become big in those circles, basically how to mass deport um, millions of migrants from Germany and also uh, quite a substantial number of so-called non-assimilated citizens, which obviously is, is blatantly illegal, would be blatantly anti-constitutional. They also discussed how to fundraise for, for right-wing or, or far-right-wing influences how to delegitimize institutions such as the Constitutional Court or public broadcasters. And Collective published, a couple of weeks ago, published a good report, a very, very insightful report about this meeting, which triggered those mass protests and sort of people to, to take to the streets to support democracy. Because obviously, we shouldn't wait until it's too late. That's basically what caused that, that sentiment. I guess the first question to ask, Stanis, is why the AFD has grown in popularity because it's polling around 23%, I gather, just behind the CDU, CSU. Um, how do we account for that? I think, sadly, the largest one, and this is why I'm slightly torn looking at those demonstrations, because obviously, as you said, it's inspiring to see people who voice support for democracy, for fundamental human rights uh, on the street, and even the temperatures were freezing. Some of those um, rallies had to be cut short, like in, in Hamburg and other places, because there were just too many people. So the organizers had sort of told authorities, yeah, we are expecting maybe 5,000 and then 50,000 or 150,000 showed up. So that was massive and, 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 and indeed very, very impressive. The thing is, if, if you sort of from, from Britain or from, uh, from, from the US looking upon Germany, you'd think we're about to sort of be overthrown by an extremist movement, whereas in fact... We have probably the most left-wing government we've we've ever had. Who in the coalition says we've we've already sort of ticked off two thirds of 
what we planned for for this government period. So I'm I'm afraid to say that from a from a public perspective, government at the moment is is seen as the problem and not the solution, which is why AfD may not seem as an alternative many people, but certainly as a good way to show another form of protest against the actual policies. So just, just to give you an example, we had a, a survey from Allensbach Institute, which is a very renowned pollster doing long-term surveys um, for, for, for decades. And they came up with a with a poll saying that um, a vast majority, 70-80% of the people feel that in this country, um, people who work, who pay taxes, who pay their fees for for social social security, etc., aren't acknowledged, aren't respected enough. And given the fact that Olaf Scholz, when he campaigned in in twenty twenty one, used the term respect as as sort of the main slogan for for his political campaign, which he won um, or won the elections, uh, there is, I think, a massive disappointment in what's been happening since. Does this all go back to? 2015, Tanit, and the uh, arrival of so many migrants from Syria under Merkel. Is that the sort of root of, of it all? Well, it's certainly the root of the IFD's success because they've been founded beforehand by, you know the story, some academics were actually anti-euro, anti-euro currency um, professors, business management professors, economists, and they've been sort of driven out of the party um eventually by by the extreme uh, definitely extreme side part of the AfD is now monitored by our domestic intelligence service for instance in Saxony for being outright extreme and anti-constitutional but they were below the the five percent threshold you know we generally we have that threshold to actually be able to enter Parliament and they in all the polls before 2015 and even by autumn 2015 they were on the on the verge of being irrelevant and significant minuscule and then came the refugee crisis, and basically they 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 started not rocketing through the sky, but they they gained more and more and more popularity. But when I say this, this was sort of twelve percent, fifteen percent. What we're seeing now, again in the polls, um, it's between twenty and thirty percent. Um, the last state election that we had in Germany, for instance, in in Bavaria, you mentioned Hessen, and Hessen is not East Germany. This is not sort of the disenfranchised who had to suffer through the consequences of reunification and unemployment. Hessen is like core West Germany, Frankfurt capital of, of, uh, of our banks or, or, um, is, is, is in Hessen. And IFD came second after the CDU. And it may come first in one of the uh, East German states. We're going to see elections later this year. What you, you just said about um, people wrapping in a whole lot of complaints into a sense of protesting against the status quo and the AFD being the recipient of that protest right now reminded me somewhat of Brexit, inevitably, you know, where people felt like they were given an opportunity to express a broad dissatisfaction at, at the way their lives were going. And of course, many of which with no expectation of actually winning the Brexit vote, voted in, you know, almost in the certainty that they weren't going to win, but it was an effective way of protesting. And then, of course, they won. And history is is history. How close to to that is is what's unveiling itself in Germany? How close do you think is the potential for this sense of protest to actually manifest itself into something much nastier? I think up until a few years ago, it was mostly what you what you said, what you what you just analysed 
protest and the, the best way to annoy sort of the ruling class of the elites and to, to show them the middle finger was to vote for RFD. Not because people particularly liked it, knowing full well that the, the, it's, an, it's a nasty party, quite frankly speaking. The, 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 the leadership is not, it's not sympathetic or, or amicable in any way, sort of cool people you'd like to hang out with and have it be a Nigel Farage by the way, is far more popular in a positive sense than than the AfD leadership, and we're we're lucky we don't have a have a Farage far, far here. But um, according to analysis surveys, polls that were sort of taken just after the the last two state elections, which are quite representative of the country last year, it's now sort of fifty percent who vote for AfD for protest reasons, and the other fifty percent because they're actually convinced that that's the, the right way to to go the far right way to go. So this means effectively that they're not going to go away because often if the, the reason to be frustrated and annoyed with the government goes away, then sort of that those parties or movements or whatever might go away too. If they've started sort of convincing people of what they do, difficult to get rid of them. it's interesting that you say um, that it's fortunate there's no Farage. There's quite a lot of light on Alice Weidel uh, in the press in the UK at the moment, not least because she just did a uh, Financial Times interview in which mm-hmm. she said, you know, yes. that Brexit was dead right and she'd certainly be willing to consider backing a, a German equivalent. She's the co-leader of the AFD and, and she's an unusual face for the AFD, at least superficially. You know, she's a young 44-year-old. She's in a gay civil partnership with a woman of Sri Lankan heritage, has two kids, a background at Goldman Sachs, the Bank of China. Um is she a, a a serious sort of figure to be concerned about because of her sort of plausibility, or or actually would they be better off with a kind of entertainer, a charismatic figure like Farage? Charismatic is the word I was looking for. So she is not charismatic. She is uh, very intelligent. She's eloquent, um, but you wouldn't necessarily want to go out have a beer with her. And I think we're we're in luck. Uh, if we had some like a Farage that would make IFT maybe even even more dangerous. So um I, I was I was intrigued by that Financial Times interview and the what she called Dexit, so that they, they might consider sort of moving Germany out of out of uh, out of the EU because this would be the single most helpful um approach to actually get rid of IFT because Germans overall are so massively pro European I'm I'm saying this is sort of status quo now. This may change in twenty years time when people feel okay, why are Hungarians and Polish sort of getting what they want. Why? Why are we paying for it all, etc., etc., etc.? It started differently in in Britain too in the 1990s, and then Brexit happened in 2016. So I, I would never dare to go and predict uh, what what the public sentiment will be like in 10 years' time, in 15 years' time. But at the at the moment, and even even Marine Le Pen in France eventually figured out uh, sort of leaving the EU is not really a hit um, when it comes to electoral campaigns. Um, and at the moment would be would be a killer for for RFD, which isn't saying that some of the, the things they um, they are voicing aren't and that's the trouble aren't aren't right. The European Union is incapable of solving the migration crisis in a way that is sustainable, sort of keeping human rights in as well as um, our sort of social welfare system, etc., 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 in a in a sort of balanced balanced way, and. If you look at, for instance, Ukrainian refugees, and people in Germany know those numbers, it's not that suddenly 30% of the country has, has turned right-wing extreme. That's definitely not the case. You have 
a certain number of people who are racist, who are xenophobes, but um, to, to say, oh, these are all sort of fascist weirdos who, who go vote for AfD is, is taking part of the population just not seriously. So look at Ukrainian refugees. Um, we have the statistics who say that in, in Poland and, and the Czech Republic, for instance, around two thirds of the re- Ukrainian refugees have been integrated into the into the labor market. In UK, Ireland, it's more than 50%. In Denmark, it's 74%. Germany, 18%. So we only have 18% of more than a million Ukrainian refugees actually integrated in the labor market. Same, nearly the same in Switzerland and, and Austria, interestingly, German-speaking countries. So one of the reasons uh, why people think this is, is that our um, social welfare measures are so incentivizing them not to work that simply they, they don't. Another reason, and I think it's a mix of both, is um, that bureaucracy, because in Denmark they also receive a lot of social welfare, but they do work, that our bureaucracy is just impossible to maneuver through if you're Ukrainian, so you'd rather not bother and and then stay at home. And people see that and with energy costs rising, cost of living rising, which interestingly if you if you work and pay taxes and pay for your own, I don't know, heating, etc., and the heating cost goes up, you have to pay for it. If you are on social welfare and heating costs go up in Germany, you don't have to pay for it because the state will cover your your, your energy costs. So I, I think a vast part of AfD's popularity is that nagging feeling, what about me? Who cares about me? Why aren't those people in charge um, doing doing a lot more for me um, and not just for the Ukrainians, asylum seekers, etc.? And we have to be very careful because those sentiments, my government cares more for other people than for myself, is is it can turn toxic at some point. So I, I think Olaf Scholz and, for instance, in, uh, his minister for for labor affairs, etc., is they're seeing it. But I'm afraid they don't really have the rules to to change anything quickly. 